Welcome back. I am your host, Paola, and this is Trending Talks, a podcast where we talk about current social political issues and other issues on our everyday lives. You can listen to us on iTunes and Spotify at Trending Talks Podcast, and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Trending Talks TT. And if you like this podcast, please, please go onto iTunes and leave us a review. We're trying to reach a broader audience and it would really, really help a lot if you go and leave a comment. Um, that's the only way that iTunes would actually share the podcast for us with other audience. Um, so yeah, if you leave a comment or a review, a five-star review, four-star review, um, ideally, you know, um, or leave just a comment that would really mean a lot and it would help us a lot. So also spread the word, share this podcast with friends. If you like history and politics and social political issues, social issues, just share it. We really learned a lot in this episode. So yeah, go, go leave us a review. Okay. I'm gonna stop rambling now. Bye. On today's episode, I am going to interview Ucha Sarmin. She is a graduate from the University of Delhi with a master's in political science. She graduated from University of Cambridge with a master's in philosophy and developmental development studies, and now works for as a news writer at the Telesur English at Quito, Ecuador. Yes, correct? And you can follow yes. her on Twitter at Utsa underscore 94. That introduction society, we're going to talk about the Muslim community under Modi's government in India. Cool. Are you ready? Uh, yes, I am ready. Um, <laughs> all right. So I, like I said, I was doing some research on my own and I found... Okay, so before everything else, do you want, for the people that don't know much about Indian politics, do you want to kind of give us a two-minute one-on-one on Indian politics or the political situation right now in India? Yeah, sure, I would love to. Like, um, So what I can say about India right now is uh, India is being ruled by a far-right government and our prime minister is Narendra Modi, who's... Uh, party, it's called Bharatiya Janata Party, BJP. Its ideological apparatus comes from a very old, not a very old, it was started in the British colonial time uh, organization, RSS. So RSS whole idea was that India is a nation of Hindus and Muslims are not a part of India. And right now, our prime minister, our whole Uh, cabinet of ministers, everybody, the leaders we have are really uh, right-wing Hindus and their idea is Hindutva. So Hindutva is this uh, political idea that uh, of BJP that India will be a nation of Hindus and Hindutva is will be the main basis of life in India. So uh, Muslims are minorities in India. And uh, there are 14% Muslims in India. And 
the muslims along with other minorities and marginalized communities like the dalits like uh, uh, the scs sts even women uh, dalits are the lower low, lowest caste so dalits are the lowest caste so india has caste system like uh, there are four castes uh, the brahmins are the upper caste they are pure and dalits are the untouchables they were the untouchables they were the worst form of uh, human beings considered by hindus and so dalits muslims even christians right now they are all under an attack by this hindu majoritarian mm. government and their supporters their right wing supporters so and i'm going to talk about muslims especially because uh, there have been cases of lynching mob lynching there have been cases of harassment and even rendering muslims stateless like you're literally one day waking up to a paper from the government saying that oh i am not you are not a citizen of india even though you have a passport so now you have to prove your citizenship mm-hmm. so um all of these are happening there are these are the main threefold attacks on muslims i'd like to call it like three attacks like lynching one side like killing them then everyday harassment in many different ways and which i will elaborate on and then this uh, uh being stateless so uh, right now india is uh, in a position where every kind of rights are being violated for example uh the kashmir the conflicted conflict region of india's and uh, indian administered kashmir right now it's been 13 or 14 days without any kind of communication there is a media blackout not only media there is like internet blackout landline network nothing is being nothing is on and an indefinite curfew imposed so there it is terrific and there are like uh, we don't know how our friends are we don't know like uh, people who are living outside of kashmir they don't know how their parents are in, in the uh, zone so That's apart insane. from that women rights lower caste rights muslim rights everything is in shambles so yeah india is in a pretty bad condition right now is there nothing to celebrate about that crazy cuz i I didn't know all of this. Like I kind of I kind of knew like it's not a secret but I was not really educated on it. And I went to India this Christmas and I was like I had the time of my life. It was super fun. Like it was beautiful. Yeah. Like it's if you're not living it, you don't know exactly. That it exists. Like you go as a tourist and you don't know that anything is a problem, you know? It's 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 a little that these mm-hmm. issues are an actual problem. Um so I was doing when I was doing my research I found a document from Columbia University and mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of explain it a little bit it was it was kind of long so I had to take the important points and it it was called the Muslim problem in India which mm-hmm. I was kind of like I don't know if you should call it a problem but I don't know like it's a problem but I don't necessarily mean that the Muslim is a problem in India yeah so I was yeah. kind of thrown aback when I read the title I was like Excuse me, but okay. So mm-hmm. I was reading it, and and it the content is very good. It's a very unbiased document or excerpt yeah. or whatever it is. Um, but basically, it divides opinions into groups, like people's opinions. Yeah. And she, she, the writer, divides it into group A and group B. So group A, she says that uh, it looks for Muslims to adapt a more modern lifestyle. according to the indian standards and by stop believing in the supremacy of their religion and give equal validity and relevance in their thinking to their religions and to stop looking towards pakistan for inspiration and leadership 
End of quote. That was a quote. It's a quote um, from the document. <laughs> and that, that's really okay. You finish, then I will say. I have, I will I have give a question a for it. Yes. Okay. And so, opinion B or group B, she does. Mm-hmm. The writer describes it as. They believe that Muslims are not are far from being a problem and believes that their victims are, are threatened and they look for equality and respect based on the historical importance of Muslims to the Indian country. Now, my question is, now that we've yeah. heard all the... That's how she divides the people's opinions. Yeah. Do you think that these points of view are accurate? Do you think that as, a, as an Indian resident, do you think it's accurate? And which one do you think is more prominent within the people, if they're actually accurate? Okay, uh, it's not that simple. Okay, there are much more nuances to it. Like uh, I cannot say uh, that people, Muslims in India are looking towards Pakistan for a quality of life or or like an inspiration, whatever. It's a very uh, um, convoluted idea of this whole like right-wing Hindus who think that every Muslim are supporters of Pakistan and they want their lives to be like Pakistanis and they want to bring Sharia law and they want to suppress all everything and everyone and all that. This is a very bad ideas that people have and, and these right-wing people are using these ideas to create a fear psychosis amongst other people, even moderate people, mm-hmm. saying that, oh, you know, if you if you don't stand against the Muslims, um, they will, uh, like, for example, ask your women to wear burqas now because they're going to bring Sharia law. Yeah, that's a very, very bad idea and it's it's also it manifests in in certain ways for example like uh, i'm from a muslim family even though i'm an atheist my parent my parents are atheist my brother is an atheist but still we have this stigma of being a muslim like which is not a stigma but like stigma as it is seen from the eyes of Hindus, yeah, yeah. not for us. So, for example, like when we were kids, there would be uh, cricket matches between India and Pakistan, and my neighbors would say, oh, so you guys are supporting Pakistan, right? Not India, right? And it's like this whole thing. We're like, no, that's, it's, that's it's so funny. It's fun. funny how they match religion to a specific country. Like it... Oh, yeah. It, oh, my goodness. You wouldn't believe it. It's crazy. Like, it makes right no now, sense. This, okay, it was, I'm talking about, like, when I was young, like, for example, like, 20 years ago or 19 or 20 years ago, this was happening. Now, it's worse. Now, it's like, if any um, a person praises a Pakistani batsman or Pakistani bowler, they're like, oh, they're good. You can praise a cricketer based on that, oh, they're good cricketers. But no, Indian people like hindus and even certain indian cricketers they're like oh you like cricketers more than their cricketers more than us you just just move to pakistan or just get out of the country then you don't have to live in india so anyway so this whole idea like oh um everybody muslims are looking towards pakistan it's so convoluted it's so messed up that it actually recreates everyday harassment in new ways it's like oh I mean, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, and I bet. This other, yeah, and uh, the other uh, thing you said, like um, um, that this Pakistan and this Pakistan quote that if India Muslims try to be like Hindus, they will be have much more uh, modernization. That's what I gathered from the quote, right? Was, um, I, I might be wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's group A. They want. They're like, oh, Muslims should modernize and be like more yeah, modern, like India. 
yeah that's that's like this whole idea because muslims are seen very backward very like uh, yes obviously i would accept that muslims uh, are very religious that people i have met like um so this is funny so i was i was talking to a comrade of mine and he's a very well read comrade and he was saying the religions which are much more older uh, they have much more uh, okay i say a freedom like because nothing is very very hard and core written down and muslim religion is uh, the youngest religion of the world so whatever it's written it's very new like even in the context of how old religions yeah. are for example judaism is one of the oldest religion and judaism is basically very uh, like um, you can go go around the religious scriptures but muslim it's so written properly that it you cannot it many people cannot go around because they say it's written and it also becomes like this that people muslims will say no it's in our religion we cannot go around it we cannot do anything um, alternative to it so this whole idea that muslims are backwards come from this thing they are so strict and they strictly following their scriptures so anyway so this idea is there and they think that and, and obviously hinduism is older so they they have like much more uh, fluency in religious practice and personal lives so this this idea that muslims are backward they should follow hindus and they give this example again and again regarding gender which is very ironic because i swear right wing hindus are not at all they don't believe in gender equality or women empowerment but they will give this top give this example all the time like oh you know what you should follow us because you should make your way of life more indian when they say more indian they means more hindu is hinduistic like uh, so it's that all your women based. Are, huh? it's all religion based and not cultural based like they're not saying be more indian as the culture they're saying no be it's more religion like, based because the thing yeah. is that when they say be more indian they mean be more hindu because being more indian india is an amalgamation of so many religions and so many cultures mm-hmm. so, but when they say be more indian they mean be more hindus which is not uh, the same because i get a lot no. of like that let's clarify right now you don't see an indian and you don't call him a hindu because there's many that hinduism is a religion and indian is a race Yeah. Yeah. Cuz a lot of people even in my family when I started dating Abish they're like, "Oh yeah, your boyfriend's Hindu." And I'm like, "Technically, yes, but he's Indian." <laughs> and I had to go yeah. and explain how like Indian is a race and then Hinduism is a religion. religion. So you don't yeah. he could be a is Muslim Indian or a Catholic Indian. It's not the same. Right. Yeah. So you don't don't go around calling Indian Hindus, please. Get yeah, your political it's very, correctness it's, right. It's very interesting because I'm living in Ecuador right now and uh, they, in Spanish, I I realized they call all the Indians Hindu. So not even yeah. Hindu because H is not pronounced. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hindu. And because I'm like, that's well, that sounds very Hindu to me. I know. That's the information we get. It's like India, yeah. Hinduism. That's it. Yeah. We don't, they don't teach us that there's many other religions in India. Yeah. So, I know my family it's very common in Hispanic households and even here in the US you're like you're Hindu because you you come from India but then they call Native American Indians and I'm just like what the It makes no yeah. sense. Makes no sense. But yes. Um okay, so I'm going to do you have anything else to add to that? I know there's many many things we could add 
Yes, to I that. think if I start talking, 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 then I wouldn't stop. So okay, okay. So feel free to stop me when I am going out of direction or I'm you're just not, you're talking not. nonsense. No, no, you haven't been talking nonsense and everything's been very relevant. So don't worry, I'll let you know. Um, okay. So I have another piece of information. So one of, I found that one of the BJB's, party's manifesto which is the modi's party manifesto pledges just brace yourself for this one is to remove all illegal immigrants from bangladesh so you know um remove them from india yeah so bangladeshi immigrants immigrants from bangladesh who came to india yes that they mean and it's funny because i i kept reading and it provides amnesty to some hindus Sikhs, Buddhists, Christians, Parsis, and, and Duns, but Muslims are 100% excluded from that mm-hmm. amnesty, which <laughs> sounds crazy to me. And I want your yes. thoughts. And it doesn't, it was very interesting for me because it's not that far away from what we're leaving right now in the US yeah. either. So I'm like, oh, this all sounds so not surprising. <laughs> it sounds very wow. <laughs> wow, the difference is just yeah. like it, it's just kind of ironic to me how it's like America. We need to be better than yeah. all those countries, and they're all doing the exact same thing. So, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, so I'm glad you asked me this question because I have like my notebook here, which I written Look down. I have to me. talk about this. <laughs> Reading your minds from far away. I just thought it was important. So, okay, go. Take it away. So, this whole thing about illegal Bangladeshi immigrants. So, yes, we had a lot of Bangladeshi immigrants uh, when there was, uh, in 1971. The partition, which I'm going to add real quick. I forgot. So, I also found that if you want to escape deportation, which you mentioned it at the beginning, kind of, um, you have to provide a documentation of your family tree. You literally have to show a family tree proving that your family immigrated from to Assam before the 21st of March of 1979, which was the day of partition, a day before partition. So it's crazy. Like they have to prove that, no, my family was here before the division of Bangladesh and India happened. No. Uh, what is the day you said? Uh, 1971? One. One. No, it's not the day of Indian Bangladesh partition. Uh, <laughs> Google, get your ish together. Okay, then what day okay, is it? It's the independence of Bangladesh from Pakistan. Okay. So, okay, that's what I was about to say. But the day is right. Yeah. Okay, um, okay. I okay. mean, I'm not very. I'm. I cannot memorize the day. Remember the day. But 1971 was okay. when Bangladesh uh, got freedom from Pakistan. Okay. So let me give a quick history, historical background. So it was already. It was already partition from India. Okay. Yes. Got it. Got it. Thank so, you. Thank you for that. Let me just let me tell you. 1947, Pakistan and India participate like partitioned okay and a part of pakistan bangladesh was actually a part of pakistan it was called huh. east pakistan and pakistan which is now the pakistan used to rule over east pakistan but then what happened they were started they started to exploit them um over resources over um, jobs and everything but the worst thing came when pakistan 
said that East Pakistan, which is now Bangladesh, would have to have Urdu as the official language. And the people there, their language was Bengali. Their language is Bengali. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then they were like, they fought back. They said, no, we are not having Urdu as the official language. We are preserving our language. So Bangladesh is the only country, as far as my research goes, which can be limited. Uh, that only country which fought uh, independence war based on language. So linguistic hmm. nationalism was one of the, like, uh, Bangladesh was one of the first countries to have linguistic nationalism. And they fought an independence war. And obviously India helped Bangladesh because, well, they didn't want two Pakistan on their side. One like, And what happened was after... The whole war in 1971, finally Bangladesh got free from Pakistan. And and during the war, there was a lot of people that was coming from Bangladesh to India because mm-hmm. obviously it's a war, it's a conflict zone, so everybody's finding refuge in India. So a lot of people came to northeast state of Assam, a lot of Bengali and Bengali Muslims, Bengali Hindus, all of them, like many of them came. Even after the war ended, People started coming. People didn't stop coming because obviously, even if the war ends there, Bangladesh is anyway such a tiny country which doesn't have much resources and economy on its own. So, like, people are finding it hard to sustain even if they're independent. So, this whole thing that Indian government did was um, uh, we have a we have something called National Registry of Citizens. So, it's it was. Uh, uh, it was never updated. Uh-huh. Um, the first time it was done was 1951. After the 1951 Indian census, it was uh, formed, the NRC, National Register yeah. of Citizenship, and the NRC was never updated. So uh, recently, I think it was in 2017, uh, the government came out saying that the people in Assam have to prove that they were citizens of India from before 1971 mm-hmm. because they think that all the people who came, they're it's nothing. It's like, it's a way to uproot, to make Muslims citizenless, stateless. The thing I was telling you about in mm-hmm. the first uh, few minutes, that there's one facet of harassing the Muslims, is making them stateless. So they're saying, oh, many of them actually have passports. They have uh, Indian government I-cards. It's like, it's called Aadhaar card. They have Aadhaar card. They have passports. But and they have properties. So many people have properties. But the government is like, no, you have to prove that you have you have had properties before 1971, mm-hmm. and then we will let you stay. And so suddenly, four million people find themselves that they are not a citizen of India, and they have to prove and they have to show their papers, which is very fu- messed up. I'm always using the f word. That's Sorry. fine. I feel like I've cursed in every episode on this thing. So don't worry about it. That's great. <laughs> so that's so fucked up because um, <clears throat> so many... Um, I was reading an article actually that uh, obviously majority of these 4 million people are Muslims. But the thing is that... Uh, sorry, not 4 million. I think 400,000. Yeah, no, there's 4 million. I found that 4 million Indian-born Muslim residents are not in the national... Um, yeah exactly so it's four million so uh, i'm correct i I found it too so don't worry that was the fun fact that's 
that's okay. it yeah and and, uh, fun fact. and then um not only okay so there are a minority of hindus who are also included in the citizenship but they will have amnesty as you said so bangladeshi hindus it doesn't matter if they were bangladeshi or not even those muslims some of them are not bangladeshis many of them were just living there obviously if you have poor people whose deeds get lost or like they don't have property they cannot show that they have property they never cared about having their family tree properly preserved they suddenly finding themselves in the list and and i have been reading that uh, many transgender people because india is a horrific place for transgenders they have many transgenders who are not even hindus uh, sorry not even muslims they're hindus but they have left their family they have not kept in contact with their parents or doesn't have anything to show that they where their roots are they're still seeing themselves in the list that they're like we have identity card government id cards but they won't believe us so where do they so, where do they go if they're not on the list of residents what happens to so, them so uh that's the thing like right now nobody is sure what is happening even people with property they're like oh government can take away our property anytime we have land we have houses they can just take away but we're not sure because after there was a huge hullabahu there was a huge um, opposition there's like what the hell is going on and then uh, the government said okay they have to prove okay so these people were not in the list of nrc now they have to prove that they have papers okay so the proof we ha- we don't have any more information because uh, the mm, cross checking hasn't been done yet but interestingly it was uh, in the start of august this august there was a news in indian uh, media that many of these people uh, who were not in the list they were suddenly handed a notice saying that um, uh, within a very short notice like uh, in 24 hours you have to appear in front of this court in front of this office and show your papers and now the problem was uh, for example it's been happening in assam and assam is a huge state it's a big state and obviously they have to go to the main city of assam but Uh, many of these people uh, who got who were out of the list are rural poor they live way way far away from the city and it's not possible for them to manage reaching that place within 24 hours and they were like how do we prove we have papers but how do we prove that we are citizens they won't let us it's it's all a conspiracy that they're not letting us they informing us 24 hours prior we are poor people we cannot afford to hire a car and run we have to p- depend on public transport which is not reliable how can we do this so yeah that's crazy i okay so i might i have another question and is is india publicly addressing these issues like as a response you know like are they talking about it to the to the people or is it like a well known secret like the media doesn't address it but everybody knows it's happening everybody knows it's happening the thing is that um, our prime minister is so silent it's it's amazing to see like in any issues where human rights being violated he's super silent okay so he doesn't say anything he's just his office just publishes okay now this mandate now this is going to happen now this is going to happen and everybody knows what's happening because media is covering it properly but that's the thing like there is no accountability the government doesn't believe in accountability anymore like you question them you will be unanswered and they have this like right wing puppets who are just gonna if i question something today they will be like oh you are an anti national you don't believe in india boom sit uh, sit um, 
uh, what is this charges? It's not. I was about to say seduction charges. Not. <laughs> now I'm forgetting the word. You're trying to seduce me to think differently. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my goodness! What is that? Char- now I'm so at loss. I cannot do they, remember do, the Like, word. do they charge you like a heretic or something? Like. No, no, no. It, it, or... It's something. It's like it has to do with internal threat and national security of India. Why can I? Can I just Google the word? Yeah, Google it. Yeah. Google time. That's gonna be a segment. Yeah. It's Google time. Okay, you found it. Yeah. So yeah, right now, so I was, as I was saying that um, it was sedition right gov- charges, right? Sedition. Yeah, sedition, sedition charges. Yeah. Government has no accountability. If people protest, they will be called anti-national, and then sedition charges will be put on them, and it's it's horrible right now. Not only sedition charges, there have been many uh, voices, many progressive voices have been killed. Like uh, oh because God. they are against Indian government. So, for example, Gauri Lankesh, a very famous journalist, she was killed uh, by a gunman. Nobody found him. Nobody found those gunmen. So, yeah. Anyway. Crazy. So, I know that when Modi got reelected this past elections. Um, yeah. And I wonder, was it like, kind of like an American situation where he lost in like public votes but then something happened and he's magically in power again or do you believe in the people of India that they don't agree with his ideals and it was all rigged oh uh, I don't think it can be rigged because he won with a huge margin and uh, I mean so the people, I would love the people to believe really support him the people truly yeah. I mean, like, I would really, really love to believe that pe- it's rigged so that I can have my faith in people, like, I can still have faith in people. But no, the thing is that uh, India has always been, like, walking on an eggshell with anything regarding religion, caste, or anything. It's like, <clears throat> we, what we what we had in India was tolerance, not acceptance of different views and religions. Mm-hmm. It was tolerance. And Modi and his ministers, they gave a leeway to all these closeted, racist, sexist, communal people. And they now believe that, oh, the Modi is in power. So if I want to be communal or if I want to be xenophobic or Islamophobic, nobody will uh, do anything to me. And that has been the case. That, is, that is exactly the thing. That's crazy. <laughs> that, the, that phrase that you said, it's what I try to explain everybody that it's like, oh, but like, Trump doesn't really have power. Like, everything that he does has to pass through Congress and the House. And I'm like, well, but that's not the point. The point yeah. is that the people don't know that. 
<laughs> like if you're uneducated and you highly support Trump, you will do whatever you want because exactly. you think that his ideals, since your ideals reflect his ideals or vice versa, you think you have a free pass to be an asshole to everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, thank you for pointing that out. It's not a new <laughs> concept. And I feel like every time I talk about it, people are like, but that's not it. Cause like he doesn't actually rule. He just represents. And I'm like, that's exactly no. it. No, you're wrong. Yeah. So thank you for supporting that point. Thank you. Yes. It's cross-continental support against asshole leaders of the country. Yes, it just shouldn't happen. No. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, So anyway, as I was saying that these people actually get, not only they're not getting persecuted for being Islamophobic or like... uh, um, harassing Muslims, but they are applauded. For example, uh, I have actually four famous cases that I really want to talk about. When I and it's related to lynching and uh, <clears throat> actually three famous cases of lynching and one is of disappearance. Okay. So recently, in Indian media, uh, this whole news is coming. Pehlu Khan, uh, uh, a cattle, a dairy farmer of in India, he was brutally lynched by more almost 200 people oh hindu God. people and you know uh, dairy farmers are right now under bigger threat in india because okay this is very very interesting fact hindus believe cows as their mothers mm-hmm. so and so obviously like uh, muslims ha- uh, and hindus cannot have beef yeah. and muslims can consume beef so <clears throat> what they think so obviously the modi government is cracking down on eating beef and what is cooking in our kitchen mm-hmm. and it's like oh nobody can eat beef and it's it's a very dangerous place right now right. honestly don't, like don't they have the cow protection vigilantes obviously this so yeah. these lynchings are happening by this cow protection vigilantes yeah. people, like, i oh, read that people are even scared muslim people are scared to eat um goat which is completely legal yeah that's, that's because thing. because like, if they I mistake it my, for beef yeah. So my my brother, he travels to uh, North India often because we're not from North India. We're from East India, which is still a better place, according to people there. <laughs> so my brother travels to North India a lot for debate competitions and everything. And he travels by train and he keeps my mom, packs him food and he loves mutton, which is like goat yeah. uh, or lamb. And... Uh, one time, if when this whole thing was like there was uh, lynchings, back to back lynchings happening, he wanted to travel to North India and he asked my mom to pack him something related to mutton curry or something. And my mom is like, "No, I'm not even giving you chicken because these uneducated right wing assholes they don't understand the difference. And I cannot afford to anything happen to you. You will eat in the train and somebody will see and somebody will think that's beef and they will kill you. And that has actually happened in 2015. Immediately after Modi won. In 2014 2015 a man was lynched by hindus whose name was akhlaq akhlaq was lynched by hindus thinking that he had beef in his house which was wrong which went to lab and it was it came back as mutton it was not beef but that's the thing that's like crazy. nobody will wait to see what you're eating they will just kill you and then okay fine whatever tasting and none of akhlaq's um perpetrators had anything then uh pehlu khan the guy I was telling you about he was killed and there was a video made of him being lynched by this cow vigilantes because they thought he's gonna kill the cow but he was just a dairy farmer and all of 
his uh, perpetrators were just acquitted recently nobody killed pehlu khan there is this like now huge movement going on in india who killed pehlu khan nobody killed pehlu khan like what the fuck no, there was a video no 200 people killed pehlu khan there was one. it, it just is said, yeah it is said like 200 people were present when this whole thing was happening but six people were actually uh, took part in killing but anyway so i'm sorry if you see someone getting killed and you're not doing anything you're part of the problem like yeah, you exactly. should obviously, be as, you're as guilty as the people doing the damage obviously. so how when would you say like these radical situations started happening like so, do uh, you yeah yeah like were they dormant for a moment and then it it kind of like it just get got flamed up again or have they been really constant but now they're more in the media than they used to be before how do would you categorize these so uh, the thing is that um harassment against muslims and dalits were always there okay mm-hmm. like um, but it it's i mean uh, if i give my uh, whatever i have read about and seen uh, before modi came to power obviously i would see a lot of dalits aren't getting harassed the low, lowest caste people they're getting harassed and they're getting killed and they're getting um, like uh, like they were literally paraded naked in front of a whole village uh, stuff like that but this whole i thing of mob lynching i i saw it flaring up after modi won after mm. modi came to power in 2014 and probably obviously like people are emboldened now they think they can kill and get away and uh, they actually can kill and get away which we are seeing because the justice system is also messed up they're not they're not persecuting anybody not even that uh, there was um, in uh, 2017 there was a famous case uh, there was a daily laborer who was skinned and burnt alive in one of in rajasthan Uh, and it was a video it the video was oh. and the video was circulated and the guy who did it he was garlanded by the local minister local bjp minister and then he was even given a ticket to the, like um, he was uh, looking to contest for, from B, for bjp in this 2019 elections and um, i'm not clear uh, i think he was already given a ticket and he lost or he was later withdrawn from the race but yeah but he went to the position that he could have won an election and he is a person who murdered a person in front of a video so like That's it insane. doesn't even matter it's like we have grown up knowing murdering you cannot murder people but now people will be like oh you can murder if it's a muslim or if it's a dalit you can totally murder them that's insane Yeah. Well, okay, it's not that insane because we're living it right now in the US, but it's crazy. Like it's not just it's not a, just a US issue, it's an international issue. Like it, it happens, it's happening everywhere. You're not like, these people can catch a break. Like no one that just resembles something different yeah. can catch a break. Uh-huh. It's ugh, okay, I'm mm, 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 I get frustrated. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um so we have a little more time still. Are there other things that you want to address? Yes. Go for it. <laughs> I'm just letting you know that we still have time. Okay, cool. I want to talk about this very funny, funnily sad thing called Love Jihad. 
Okay. Oh, it's it already sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's a very nice, not a nice thing in the sense that uh, this is another way of harassing uh, Muslims or like threatening them. It's like obviously this whole idea of love jihad has been present since before Modi came. It was a long thing. It was a really old thing. It's like Muslim men they want to convert our women and that's why they marry them and they convert them to an Islam uh-huh. and that's how they are increasing in India. Okay, they want to, and now they want to increase their population by converting our women, by reproducing more Muslim kids, and then they will take over India. So this whole, really, I mean, I actually laugh at it because I cannot believe the actual thing. And obviously, they gave the thing that Muslim men can marry four times, right? So like polygamy is allowed in Islam, which is, which is so wrong anyway, but Uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but isn't it allowed only if you can give them the same quality of life to all of them? I mean, obviously in scriptures it is like that, but you know, patriarchy, how patriarchy works. (laughs) So, and I mean, I wouldn't. (coughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not me, thanks, but I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so Hindus give this example, not example. This they use this tactic to make people afraid. Like you know, they can marry four women, so there will be five people, like the husband and four wives, uh-huh. and they can reproduce twenty five children. While we Hindus are gonna just be two, like husband and wife, and we will just reproduce two children. And see these twenty five children, and then twenty five more, and then they will take over India, and India will be an Islamic. Country. that's kind of of funny because like here it's like mexicans are gonna steal our jobs so in india it's like muslims are gonna steal our woman yeah i I just get amazed at the at the things that the government comes up with to just brainwash uneducated people yeah. To be on their side. Because it's not even factual. It's just like, what lie can I make the most believable? Yeah. To exactly. For the and most then, vulnerable people. So, and obviously, like, right now, like, any um, educated, uh, like, uh, I mean, it, it's so bad that now youngsters cannot fall in love. Uh, with the uh, different religion because obviously the whole thing about falling in love against Muslims or even for Muslims falling in love with Hindus were against that like there was against this thing but with the love jihad was not is not a new con- concept but right now people actually feel that they will be killed if they fall in love with a Hindu girl or if a Hindu a Muslim girl fall in love with a Hindu boy like they won't be accepted at all and obviously getting killed disappeared uh, yeah, like not getting accepted is the lightest yeah. punishment yeah. you can get for it. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's really okay. So uh, just a tidbit. So I was in this uh, conference by a very famous historian, Tanika Sarkar, and she was talking about the whole love jihad and everything. And she said, um, uh, I'm, um, she said somebody interviewed uh, one of the, because BJP is not the only uh, party, right wing Hindu party. Okay, so RSS, the ideological parent of BJP, they they have many different branches. So one of them is VHP. Okay, I mean you don't have. Nobody has to remember the name, but anyway, so... No cares about that one. Yeah. So they, they are worse, actually. They're worse than BJP in some cases, okay? Oh, God. But anyway... 
So VHP so one a, 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 a person was interviewing a local VHP leader and they said why why do you think that um, why do you think about all this why do you call uh, why do you do all this against love jihad that we muslims are raging a war on like love war and stuff and the guy is like have you seen these muslim men they look better than us if we don't control our women our women will go towards them have you seen us we don't look better than them <laughs> This actually happened. That's so hilarious. Oh my it God. It is hilarious. <laughs> it's kind of true in some ways though. Um, well, no comments there. <laughs> I don't want to be an international. No comments. <laughs> I, can't, I shouldn't comment either. My boyfriend's Hindu, but... <laughs> it's just, it's, I think it's a cultural thing, okay? Because I feel yeah. like every Muslim friend that I have, they all like to be super dapper, like... Like, their dress has to be on point, like, their clothes, and they always have to smell good, and their hair is important, you know? I feel like it's all cultural. Like, it's not religion-based or race-based. You just have to get your shit together and try to look better. Like, (laughs) iron your shirt or something. Get some mousse in your hair. I don't know. You know, it's crazy. It just, uh, it's it's, it's what I'm saying. They they just try to, like, pinpoint it to things that... Unrelated, unrelated. Yeah. So I think it's it's also like uh, along with their like very huge idea of a Hindu country, they're also very much scared internally that they look wo- bad, worse than Muslims. <laughs> Women will not choose them anyway if they had a choice. So obviously, <laughs> no, they just can't. It's insecurities. Men can't deal with their own insecurities. No, Women, they have this to. Is, this is why we have to pamper our men. And be like, you look great. Because they get really insecure really easily. And then they Um, start like these crazy ideas in their head. And then they control the women. And then they're like... It's all like you have to be very insecure to have those ideals and trying to like control women and abuse women. Like that's the most insecure men. It's the ones yeah. that do that. But that's a whole other podcast. That's my, that's my <laughs> yes, new totally. Phrase. That's my new phrase for all the podcasts. Every time we come up with a topic, I'm like, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> uh, um, all right. So after, before, I mean, after we finish every podcast, I like to finish it up with a nice thought, a positive news. Because I okay. feel like I'm always talking about really heavy stuff and these things. But I like to give the world some hope. And I looked at positive news in India. Okay? Are you ready? So I found one. And it was this, um, the title said, Once a child laborer, wait, ranch man? That's what they called it. Once a child laborer, ranch man, has rescued 4,000 women and and children from child trafficking and offered them an education, which I thought was really nice. Like this guy... That's really nice. I know, right? There There were many, many good news, okay? But I feel like a lot of them were related to agriculture and they, you know, they don't don't go with the title of the podcast. So this guy, he was very poor and his family, like, his family sent him to his uncle's house because they thought to give him like a better life. And it was like the 80s or 90s or something. So cell phone was not a thing in um, small uh. villages in India. So 
they didn't know that the uncles were actually in worse economical conditions than they were. So they, he was a kid and he had to work. So he was child laborer. But then he started getting an education and then he created this like little center and rescued a lot of kids and gave them an education so that they wouldn't be victims of child trafficking. And I thought it was worth sharing with the world. It shouldn't, things like these shouldn't stay in only Indian news. And that's all I'm going to drop it. All right. I want to thank you so, so much for being in this episode. This was great. And I know we could be talking about this the whole day. There's There's a lot of material and there's a lot to teach to people. Like we could talk about so many other misconceptions and things about India and the culture and we might have to do many multiple podcasts, but it was great, great, great having you. And I feel like you shared a lot of really important information. So I want to thank you thank again. You. And I'm going to give you another plug again. You can follow her on Twitter at Utsa, U-T-S-A underscore 94. And yeah, and you can follow this podcast at uh trending talks tt on both twitter and instagram and you can listen to us on um, spotify and itunes at trending talks podcast yes and you can email me at trending talks podcast at gmail.com if you really have something to say um other than that thank you for watching go follow us and see you next sunday bye you can, you can say bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>